seriously popular. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In today's episode... Are Man United making it up as they go along? Do Arsenal have a kindergarten mentality? And why Emery's Villa are the real deal? I'm Ian Lederman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Mate, all that time, all that money, and United are getting further away from Manchester City and not closer. The biggest thing of the weekend, I mean, you did your prediction 3-1. I actually thought Manchester City would win 5-1. It wasn't a surprise. That was the biggest thing. This this result was coming. I mean, you just look at Manchester United's record this season, the performance level this season, and that's that's the sort of most damning fact and it's yeah. it's I don't think it's it's one particular thing. I think there are there are many things you have to chuck into the mix here. I, I was watching it and thinking this is a derby only only in name. It wasn't competitive. It wasn't ferocious. It wasn't edgy. It wasn't nerve-wracking. It was just a game between one really, really good football team and one poor football team. And I think if you're Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag, there's no excuse for that. You have to be competitive in a derby. Yeah, uh, and I think we uh, have both had a similar opinion on Eric Ten Hag up until now maybe, and I don't know whether the opinion is going to change, but he has to come under scrutiny. Now, I thought some of his decision-making yesterday, the way he set the team up. When you look at uh, other teams in the Premier League, and I, I know you probably won't like me bringing Big Ange up, but Tottenham have an identity, mm. a way of playing. Manchester United, the way they set up yesterday, I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand things. Lindelof at left-back, Ten Hag said before the game, that was, that was uh, a, a, about tactics. Really? Two things in football. You, 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 you have to, it's with the ball, without the ball. You have to get up the pitch. And you can see, uh, for example, the way Tottenham play, the way Arsenal play, the way Manchester City play, the, even the way Liverpool play. They have a, a, a defined patterns of play. It looks like Manchester United are making it up as they go along. And that is on Ten Hag. Yeah, we spoke, we spoke about Ten Hag at, at the start of the season. And I was very resolute in my support for Ten Hag. I, I still am resolute in my support for Ten Hag. However, because he's been dealt a dreadful hand for reasons that um, I don't think we need to go into now. We've been into, into them before. That was, that was, that was last season. He, 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 that was last season. He spent £400 million. Pounds. Yeah, he, he has. And I wrote a piece in my column a week or so ago before I went on a holiday saying that um, if he's moaning about recruitment and if he's suggesting that 
uh, Jim Ratcliffe when his Ineos um, uh, perch, share purchase goes through. If Ratcliffe's going to be in charge of recruitment and, rebu- and allegedly that Ten Hag wants that to happen because he feels that recruitment hasn't been good enough, then he has to take some of the blame for that because he's got his fingerprints all over that playing squad. Players that he's worked with before, players that, is a- players that are represented by the same agency. So we know that. But equally, he's being failed by some of the players on the field. We will get into Ten Hag in a minute. He has been failed. He's certainly been failed by his captain, is he not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you know uh, my feelings on uh, on Bruno, and uh, you know this isn't sort of knee jerk. I saw what Roy Keane said about him, brilliant Manchester United captain that he was. I I sort of look at it uh, this way, and I've always felt this uh, with Bruno. You look at sort of great Manchester United captains of the past. You know, mentioned Keane, um, Robson, Bruce, Vidic. Neville, you're standing in a tunnel uh, and, and you look down, you see your captain at the front with the armband on. They are they are captains with a bit of clout, a bit of authority, somebody you want to follow out of the tunnel where you, where you, where you feel you'd run through a wall with them. I don't, I don't, and I never felt the same about Bruno Fernandes. I think he's he's petulant. He's, he's like the talented, spoiled kid down the park when things aren't going, who then takes his ball home. That's 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 the way he seems to me. And I know Neville was quite scathing in commentary when he was sort of going around at the end of the game trying to trying to top everybody and uh, and, and actually missing. I mean that that's but I just I I just don't I don't get that decision. And that's a decision. So while sort of we've we've defended Ten Hag up until now, that was on Ten Hag to change the captaincy. And, and for Bruno to, to come in and, and there were reasons because Maguire wasn't going to play but I'd much rather stand behind Harry Maguire in the tunnel him leading me out rather than would Bruno I don't disagree myself and you and Dominic King sat in this very room in today in July doing a pilot for this podcast a pilot that was not, was not broadcast because pilots aren't, don't tend to be and we all sat there then and said that Bruno was the wrong captain um, for Manchester United, people have to believe us, but you and I both know th- that we did. W- you know, we we called that, but I think we also said that day that there's not necessarily a natural candidate to be a Manchester United captain in that squad, and that's damning. Yep, uh, and you know, you look at it now. I mean, they they are they are in a mess. I mean, on our sort of group chat, which we 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 have, I think you said that this is the worst United team you'd seen in. However many years. Yeah, I, what I what I wondered was I watched the game from home at the back end of my holiday. I wasn't at the game. Watched it at home, and when when I looked at the team, I looked at it and thought, you know, I've I've been lived in Manchester for twenty three years. Uh, covered United specifically for a large Posh part of Manchester. Nice part of Manchester. Now, not not the start. Um, and covered Manchester United solely for for a large chunk of that time, and I found myself wondering whether I'd ever seen a weaker United team line up. For a, for a derby on paper. Now, I thought to myself, maybe as I was typing that message to you, I thought, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll raise themselves and play above themselves and find a performance like they did last season when they won. But but they didn't. They didn't find any kind of performance at all. No, and, uh, you know, and that, that's the, bit, the biggest thing. Uh, a lot made about their lack of athleticism. Uh, athleticism. They have players in that team who can't run, and they have players in the team who won't run. And that is an issue. I thought Danny Murphy, his analysis was really brilliant on Match of the Day in terms of bang on about if that were, if, if if these players played for, for Pep, if these players played for Klopp, if these players played, played for Postacoglu, 
They wouldn't pick them. If you, if you don't run, uh, then you don't play. And, um, you know, essentially, that's, that's such a basic thing in football. But that now, that now, Ten Hag has been in long enough now where that's on him. And, of, of course... Of, of course, so we have to look at the whole picture, and we have to, you know, there are issues with the ownership, there are issues with with the with the manager now, there are issues with the team, and you chuck all these things in, but it's it's the culture at the club, and it's not it's not an easy fix, it's not a quick fix, but it certainly needs fixing. It, it's not just one thing. If if he had his first choice one to one to eleven, which probably off the top of my head would maybe go something like um, Anana Wambasaka. And Martinez, Varane, Shaw. Well, he had the chance to pick Varane yesterday. Shaw, correct. Shaw, Casemiro, Stroke, McTominay. Mm, Casemiro can't run. Um, oh, McTominay's back in the fold, is poss- he? Well, possibly. And yeah. then you've got kind of he discarded uh, McTominay. Didn't uh, didn't want him. Well, uh, correct. Um, and then you've got Rashford, and you've got uh, Bruno, and you've got, and you've got maybe Mason Mount. You've got maybe, maybe Mason Mount. And then you've got Hoyland up front. You just if, said 11. You just named like 16. You interrupted me. I had, a, I had 11 there. I'm not going to say it again. But my point is, if you had that, if you got that 11 on the field, they would be competitive in the Premier League. What? They would be. They'd be competitive. Name, name that 11. Well, you I'm named not, you named about 16. But that, 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 is not, that is not. And this, so, is the, this is the issue, right? And this is the issue. Is the players you have named aren't anywhere near good enough. That. 16 players you know aren't anywhere near good enough to compete with with Manchester City Liverpool last year Arsenal he, last year he got that team give or take into the top four and they, and they won and they won the league cup but the problem for Ten Hag is that he's that he is deprived deprived of players to injury or absence and other things so what is on That's him on his now, watch and what he's on is on him now is to find a way to get the best out of what he's got and that I think is where he is failing. I don't see any evidence at the moment of particularly intelligent or deep thinking coaching going into that United team. He's got to make the most of it. This is where a coach comes into his own, right? Pep Guardiola, despite having a deep squad, is probably the best there is at making do and mend when he needs to, when he has players injured. He has to move players around position. You can't use the ten, injury. You ten, can, you don't, I'm, not, I'm not having the injury thing. Ten Hag... Has to do that. Well, he is missing most of his back four, Ten Hag. But let's Hang not. On. No, no, that that was that was choice. Well, he's missing... so, 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 you know, that's you, you can't be making excuses in that respect. He's okay. Missing... Well, hang on a minute. Who, so, Johnny Evans, who brought Johnny Evans to the club? So, so it's everything. It, you know, it's the mix. It's recruitment. Choice. It was his choice. Tactically playing Lindelof at left back. He had Regulon, who who he uh, yeah. uh, uh, brought in, who was uh, you know had his backside on the bench. So. You know, you can say that he's missing most of his back four. He's missing Martinez, essentially. That's it. Uh, no, uh, I'm Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, OK. Well, wan uh, I mean, Darlow was playing ahead of wan That's talking about, There's a debate there, isn't it? Right, let's not get bogged down to it in, into that. OK, well, well, well I'll, I'll ask disagree. you a question we then. Disagree. OK, I'll ask you a question. Mm. Is At this moment in time, is it a bigger mess right now than it was when Ten Hag took over? Um, yes but, or no answer? Um no, no, it's not because the big mess when when, when Ten Hag took okay, over, just stop went, there. hang on, went by the name of Cristiano Ronaldo, and he sorted that out. He sorted that out, and I still think he has credit in the bank for that. He's that Ronaldo was poisonous in that dressing room, Agreed. and Solskjaer didn't have the courage to do it. Rang it, couldn't do it. Ten Hag did it. 
right? So it's not as big a mess, but there are questions now being asked to Ten Hag because he has, to find, he has to find a way of getting the best of what he's got. And at the moment, with his tactics and his substitutions, I don't think he is. Now, last night... Can I ask you, have they regressed? They've regressed this season, yes. Yeah, of course they have. That's obvious. Yes, they've regressed this season. Yeah, yes, they have. Yeah, they have. May, I mean, Mason Mount looks like he's fallen into the biggest black hole the world's ever seen. Uh, you know, and again, Gary Neville made the point on Sky Commons yesterday that Old Trafford is becoming the type of place where good players go to die. And, and Mason Mount, if he's not careful, is going to be the next the next one. Now, last night um, on Twitter, I asked um, a few of my followers for a few questions. Oh, a few of my followers. A few of my millions of, few of my disciples. All right, dozens, dozens, dozens of followers. My, 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 Do they my, follow you because they like you? My number of followers on Twitter has gone down since we started doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, actually going, it's actually going down. I've been given kind of all kinds oh, of lessons. Do you, do you count them? I, well, it says it every time you log on how many you've got, doesn't it? And I've noticed it's gone down oh. by about a few hundred. That's, um, the, that's because you're associated with me. We keep... We, we, <laughs> We, you know, when, when I said to you before, when we put these questions out on Twitter, I always want you to do it because I think people will respond better to you than they will to me. And last <laughs> night we did. I, so last night you didn't do it. I think you were too busy getting waiting for a delayed flight in Scotland or whatever it was you were moaning about when you turned up this morning. So I did it. And um, you and I both know the uh, the first response that we got from one gentleman, which wasn't particularly <laughs> wasn't particularly, uh, wasn't particularly but, complimentary. Yeah. But we did get some questions, and this one is pertinent. Um, from Andrew Sly in Exmouth. This re arrived on email and Andrew said, Hi Ian and Chris, love the podcast. If you were the Manchester United uh, bosses, he means the board, and you were thinking of scouting now for the next possible manager, who would be on your list? I'm a fan and don't want Ten Hag to be sacked, but I'm questioning his tactical nous. That's quite typical of what's going around on social media. Some Manchester United fans, even the sensible ones like Andrew here, are questioning Ten Hag. Let's answer his question first. Big Ange. Are we talking realistic or dream no, hang on. So, so you ask me a question, I answer it, okay. and then you're saying that it's, you know, I'm in a dream world? Why is that a dream world? We know how difficult it is for Manchester United to deal with Tottenham over players Never mind over trying to steal the best minds. We, we, do, we don't know the ins, ins and outs of uh, Postacoglu's deal at, at top. No, but we know we the ins and outs of the way that Daniel Levy views Manchester United. Okay. And, if you, and if you don't know, I can tell you. But that, but that wasn't part of the question. So ask a question and rule the manager out. Rule Le the manager out, I can't Daniel say. Daniel Levy regretted selling Kyle Walker to Manchester City to such a deep degree that after he did that, he said to somebody at Tottenham, I'm never letting a player go to a Manchester club again. So I certainly don't, which puts all this kind of continuing nonsensical talk about Harry Kane and Man United and why they didn't try and sign him. They didn't try and sign him because he knew it would never happen. Um, so I don't think that they've got, they've got much chance of nicking so the who, manager. Who am I allowed to say? Simeone? Oh, blimey, he'd set fire to place. Is, 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 that, is that not what they need? He'd set fire to yeah, Is that not what they need? A, a, a culture change. Someone yeah, to actually go in and, and, and shake the club up and get the players fired up and playing and running. I think Simeone would be a brilliant manager for Manchester United for about a month. <laughs> he'd come in, he'd win the first two games, he'd be absolutely mm. box office, and then he'd fall out with everybody in the place and we'd be back to square one. Mm. So my slightly less glamorous 
suggestion. Neil Warnock. <laughs> Neil Warnock. Be a great fly on the wall documentary. Neil Warnock. Um, will be Thomas Frank from Brentford. Now, I, you know, I can hear United fans going, oh, don't be ridiculous. But why? Why would why would that be ridiculous? Why would Deserby be ridiculous from Brighton? What is the problem that big Premier League clubs have got with taking managers from smaller Premier League clubs? Because they don't do it because they don't think it's sexy. Chelsea did it with Potter and it didn't work. Well, they think it didn't work. I'm still firmly of the belief that had they not cut Graham's legs off after seven months, had they not basically lied to him about the way the club was going, Potter would have succeeded at Chelsea. I still believe that. Nobody will dissuade me of that. However, the fact that he seems to have failed, I think has set the cause back for that type of appointment um, many years. I don't think clubs would do it. Well, well, but, 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 but then has, has um, I don't want to keep talking about uh, big Ange all the time, mm. but has that sort of, you know, the perception of him yeah. coming down from Celtic, massive club that it is, but it is in the Scottish League and, and sort of, I think when he, well, I know this, when he first went in at, uh, at or at Tottenham and he was, that was first sort of put forward, there was this, um, you know, campaign, wasn't it? I can't remember which, I think it was Talk Sport, Postacoglu. Out wasn't it? Hashtag, before, before you know, yeah, no, no, it, it, ex exactly that. You know, where are these people now? Where are you? There's a snobbery in English football, hundred percent. There There's a snobbery in the Premier League. I mean, it took Everton to be in absolute dire straits to hire Sean Dyche. Mm. You know what I mean? They hired him almost against their their own better judgment, but they ultimately did it because they thought we've got no other choice. And and they should have. And, and but why is it, why does it have to be like that? Yeah. Why is why is, does that snobbery exist? But I, I suppose that, that Manchester United, you think of the, the recent past, uh, they've, they've tried everything really, haven't they? Yeah, they have actually. Yeah, they have. They have actually tried everything. Yeah, they but, have through mm. Moyes and Van Gaal and Mourinho and Solskjaer and, and, and Ten Hag and Ranjit. Yeah, they have tried everything. The, a way to twist that question from Andrew, though, about the, a, a next possible Man United manager, this is hypothetical. I don't think either of us think Ten Hag should be sacked, but... Also, well, he's, I think he's in direct sort of ten games territory. Ten, game, ten hog, ten games. Oh, you should write newspaper headlines. Ten games to save his job. Yeah, I think so. You, but he might, I mean, he must be into that into that territory. When well, you don't, if you if you if you're judging the season as a whole, the teams they've beaten with the greatest respect. Uh, I mean, Wolves they were fortunate. Forest they were fortunate. I think they've beaten Burnley, edged Burnley. Ed Brentford. Sheffield United and Brentford, they got fortunate. Mm. They're their wins so this season. So let me ask you a question. If Manchester United were want, wanted to change their manager, how do they do it? And what I mean is, who does it? Who does it? When the process of, when, when the, the early mm. stages of an investment by Jim Ratcliffe's Ineos group, they've said they've been briefing people, they will take over the football side. So therefore, we'd imagine that. Uh, the kingmakers at Old Trafford at the moment, Arnold, Murta, Fletcher, will not be part of that process. But, but, but that investment hasn't happened yet. There's nobody at Manchester United to hire a new manager at the moment. There's nobody to do it, even if they wanted to do it. I mean, yes, that just about, that's, that that just about that's, sums it up. And, and that's, yeah. There's nobody there to fix the roof. There's no one there to, <clears throat> to hire a new manager. Yeah, I think you've put it's that very well. Um, and before we move out of this subject, and we, at some point we will acknowledge how well City played yesterday, mm. I think, because they were, they were magnificent. Jack Grealish, back on form. Lo love that. Bernardo Silva, uh, two great goals. But um, one, one in particular by Erling Haaland. By did, Erling Haaland. Did, you, did you captain him this week? Did I what? Captain Erling Haaland What's this that, week. What do you mean? And you've 
fantasy. <laughs> fantasy football, my ass. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and this question was from uh, Pulga Live on Twitter. Are some owners of clubs being made scapegoats for, under, for underperforming players and staff? That question plays to the Gary Neville school of thought, which is, you know, a, a fish rots from the head down. Gary is constantly saying that Manchester United can't succeed on the field, why they've got chaos around the owners. I disagree with that. Um, and I think there's something in that. It's there, a bit of a cop-out there. It is a cop-out. It is a cop-out. It is a cop-out. Well, it, 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 it comes down to this. If if Ten Hag... Um, as he, you know, you, you go back a year, then he he needed time. But the fact, if you just the most basic fact, they have spent four hundred million pounds, and the team has regressed. That has to be on the manager. That has to be on well, and the, the, and the, the recruitment. Staff. Yeah. yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah. absolutely. So, so it, it, you know, that can't be on the Glazers, the owners, £400 million is a lot of money. We know Chelsea have spent a billion pounds, but £400 million in a short space of time, the, the, the team should be doing better. And that and that was not City at their best yesterday, but that was City somewhere approaching their best maybe this season. The build-up play for the Haaland header, the second goal, from goalkeeper through to the left side of the, the field to the cross was... Absolutely magnificent. Mm. Like I, Spurs at the best. Like Biganja, but Biganja yeah. at the best. That was a very good goal that Spurs scored. The second goal at Palace, the kind of Brennan Johnson link That's up with similar, Son. Similar, you know, with that sort of underlap, aren't they? Very similar. No strength in depth, though, Tottenham, Chris. No Tottenham. Arsene Wenger, by the way, said that Tottenham can win the league. Did he? Although it's worth pointing out that Arsene Wenger is Arsene Wenger's mad these days. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like he wants to walk up every three weeks and wants you to be able to, and wants you to be able to take throw-ins with your feet. Yeah. So he needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. But Arsene Wenger does know something about Premier League football. He thinks Tottenham can win it. Um, and I, I sort of, and I do get it. I don't think they can win it because I think Manchester City will win it and are just too strong for mm. everybody. But the fact that there's no European football. That gives them a a major advantage. Yeah, just as it did with Leicester in uh, two thousand. I, I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, it's, it's important, um, you know, January for Tottenham to strengthen." I don't think that's the way Big Ange necessarily works. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've had this. We've had this squad. debate on this. On well, this podcast you, you, you think you think Harry Kane shouldn't have left, don't you? I, I I still think that Harry Kane should have stayed at Tottenham. Yeah, despite the fact he's scoring hat tricks and goals from his own half and. Bayern Munich at top of the Bundesliga. I think Kane should have stayed. I thought Kane should have stayed at Tottenham. I really think Kane should have stayed at Tottenham. Um, do you think when he gets what, what's the German paper called? Built the built. When he gets the built, do you think when he sees the Premier League and Tottenham are top, do you think there's a tinge of sort of regret? You know what? I actually know. He looks to me oh, like come on. He, he must do. He looks to me like he's having the time of his life in Munich. Every time he plays, he scores. Uh, he's clearly loving being, and this is not disrespectful f- f- to Tottenham, he's clearly loving being at an absolutely massive football institution, which Bayern Munich <laughs> you are. You can't. You, no, you I'm can't. Not. Well, well, you can't there, do that. Yeah, yeah but I, that I, is, I that. this is, well, you know when people say, this is not going to be disrespectful Tottenham to Tottenham. Tottenham Munich. This is like when people say, I'm not going to lie, and mate, then they lie. Mate. I mean, you've just you've just put Tottenham away there. No wonder, no you know, wonder you're losing followers. Saying, look, I don't mean to be rude, but 
I'm going to be really rude. I don't like your wife um, and your kids. And your kids are brats. Well, have, you, have you met my wife and kids? Let's wow. not go there. Uh, well, it takes me all year to meet all your kids. To be honest, after book a six months of appointments, one a month. Um, no, but no, I'm quite happy to stand by that statement, Chris. Tottenham are not Tottenham are not by Munich. Um, Big and statement. Looks like he's in having the time of his life. However, I enraged you at the start of the season by saying that he made a mistake by going to Munich. Uh, or that he could have made a different decision. I still think he should have stayed at top on the top of the league without him. It's, extra, it's extraordinary. But what I won't have, by the way, and there is someone on our group chat, one of the producers on the show, who suggested on Saturday that uh, Tottenham are the best team without Harry Kane. I mean, that's the mm. biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. I mean, you cannot. I mean, that's just nonsense. Tottenham are not a better team without Harry Kane. I'd agree with they that, are yeah. not. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As, as I keep mentioning, I had a holiday last week. And when I'm on holiday, I don't tend to watch football because I like to have a, a break um, I watched the England get the rugby. oil on, just lie back on the sun lounge. <laughs> get, get the oil on, soak up the rays. Get the, I don't tan. I stroke. Somebody once said. Um, um, what, uh, do you, what do you drink? Hmm? What do you? Do you have a margarita, umbrella. What are you? Are you a speedos man? Bud, budgie smugglers. Can you imagine me in a pair of speedos? No. Seriously, I like to wear uh, little little like, lady man. I like to wear the swimming shorts that are so long that they almost come down to your knees because I think it makes my legs look a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Do you know? What, I think I'm right in saying this. In France, in parts of France, oh, we've we done this before. In parts on. of France, that that you you have to wear speedos. You told me that on the Côte d'Azur, you have to wear yeah, speedos on the beach. You can't wear what I call right. swimming shorts. I didn't believe you when he said it the first time, and I don't. I think it was edited out last time we said it. So. Yeah. Well, let's keep that in. Yeah. I don't believe you. I, d I don't believe mm -hmm. you. Um, I was happy one day when my little girl had had a t was a little bit uh, pink on her arm, so we decided that she was um, going to wear a t-shirt in the pool. Um, but she would only do it if I wore one in the pool as well. Mm. I was delighted by that because it gave me an excuse to. Yeah, you're one of those. You're I'm not. You, you're not in great nick. You're one of those guys. If you jumped in the pool and I was in the pool, I'd get out. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why'd you get out? 
Well, you're, not, you're, you're gonna, not in the great dish. I can imagine big, uh, sweaty, your big sweaty, hairy. Gonna say that if you if I jumped in the pool, you'd, you'd, alert, you'd alert the lifeguard. Anyway, <laughs> what I was coming around to saying was, I don't tend to watch a lot of football anymore on a holiday. I watch the England Rugby Union semi final, which I thought was uh, magnificent. But I tell you what, I found myself missing the Premier League last week, and I never do that. For me, a holiday is a holiday away from football. But I. I, I missed it. And I think the reason that I missed it is because it's a really, really intriguing league this year. It's more intriguing at the top than it's been for a long time. And that mm. is because of teams like uh, Tottenham. It's because of Arsenal. It's because of uh, Brighton. It's because of Aston Villa. I think mm. it's a, a terrific league. and not Liverpool, so you left. Well, Liverpool. Liverpool always out. But not so much at the bottom. I've, I, I've written a column before about suggesting that the Premier League could benefit from having three fewer teams in it. The quality at the bottom That's is ridiculous. so poor. But we won't, we won't get into that. It's all about the big teams. Let's talk about... No, the quality at the bottom is really bad. Yeah, but it's all about the big teams. No, How, about how do you, teams. So, so, so Brentford, a great Premier League story. Little Brentford coming up and they're competing now. You, you just sort of... I'm not... Yeah, but it's three less teams. It's, it's about elitism with you. Chris, the standard of football at the bottom end of Premier League is lamentable and has been for several years. Lamentable. But that's, but that's, that, that's, 40, really, that's really not the point. You need, you it's need, really not the point. You need 40 points to stay up. Do you want a Super League? That's, that's, really what, that's what you'll be calling for next. I really don't. I'm a football traditionalist. You know that. Well, well, you're not if you want to chop the Premier League down. Just because you're a traditionalist, it doesn't mean that you can't tweak things and be open to change. And I think that the, that, 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 that the Premier League is, be, is, is beginning to harbour too many teams who know that as long as they're, that they get more than 33, 34, 35 points, uh, they'll be okay. I, it's I not can't. good enough. That's you're, you're a champagne but, socialist. But I think it's better. The, I think it is. A, the standard is improving in the top half. Um, Arsenal have started again well this season. Pleased about that. Arteta is, is doing a, re, a really good job there. One of the things that struck me from their game at the weekend was... Eddie Nketiah's hat-trick, obviously. He needed some Premier League goals, hasn't scored since August. Alan Shearer said on Match Today that he doesn't think that Nketiah will ever be the main man at Arsenal. So just, he was saying it, he wasn't saying it to be critical, he was saying it as though he'll always be good to have as like your first reserve striker. What a great option as a first reserve striker. Is that true? Is that the height of, is that the height of Nketiah's ambitions? Eddie Nketiah is... 24. I think he's young enough where he can still become that main man. What, what did we learn at the weekend about his finishing? I mean, his first goal mm, you know, in a, in a you know, really tight area, wonderful mm. touch, composed finish. He he can finish. His third goal was wonderful, albeit um, I think Sheffield United made it easy for him to to get the shot off. Look at, I mean, one of the Arsenal Arsenal's greatest ever players, Ian Wright, was a was a was a late developer. Really? The one thing which I think. Um, which we're going to discuss in a minute. Um, anyway, where I think Shearer has a point, though, Ian Wright uh, was a horrible player to play against. He, you know, he 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 really was. He was ruthless. I played against him as a centre half for as a young centre half for Norwich City. I actually saw him at the weekend, and we 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 discussed this. Uh, he scored a hat trick against me as a Carrow Road. He's a brilliant player, really clever. For he was nasty. For yeah, for, for Arsenal. For Arsenal. Yeah. For Arsenal. Um, but he, he was a nasty sort of piece. In, way? In, in, the, in, in terms of it being ruthless, aggressive, mm. you know, we, we uh, you know, discussed the penalty situation at the weekend. 
the difference between your Shearers, your Wrights, your Larsons, they wouldn't be giving a ball away for a, for a teammate when you can, you know, you can get another goal on that, you know, on the tally there. They grabbed the ball, popped it on the spot and pushed everybody away. I'm taking this. So, so you know, they wouldn't have wanted Eddie and Ketty was happy with his hat-trick. Shearer, Wright, <clears throat> they want more, they want Don't four, me. they want fives, they want sixes. And that's the difference. So, so that's where Nketiah can improve. If he wants to be top, if he wants to lead the line, if he wants to be the mm. number nine at Arsenal, talent-wise, I think he's got it. He's a brilliant finisher, but he's got to be nasty, he's got to be ruthless. So it, I suspect that... that this is a, I'm hating myself for saying this because I sound like a walking cliche, which wouldn't be the first time. Is there is there a culture thing at Arsenal though that that leans towards that? And and I say that because Nketiah um, giving the penal the ball to Vieira to score the penalty on Saturday, therefore depriving himself of the chance to score four. They've done that before this season. They gave. Um, Havertz, the, the penalty at mm. Bournemouth. We, you and I called it a pity penalty because Havertz, yeah. Havertz was short of confidence. I mean, afterwards, Nketiah was asked about this and said that he gave the ball to Vieira because um, he'd won the penalty, but also because he's expecting, or his wife's expecting this week. What's that about? Well, you give you you, you give a, a penalty yeah. to a teammate because his wife's about to have a baby. Well, it's what quite. It's quite it, no, it just shows that he's a nice guy, but nice doesn't get you to the top. Are we in the Premier League or the or kindergarten? Yeah. No, I I I I, I totally agree. So you, you know, with Shearer's point, I the the main point about him not uh, is is never going to be. Uh, the Arsenal centre forward first choice. I, I would dis- Yeah, he, so he ha- he has the skills. Right. Does does he have the temperament? I think he needs to 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 get nasty. He should look at Ian Wright. Ian Wright was a nightmare to play against. He was nasty. He was horrible. He was brilliant. And Ketia has the skill. He has the finishing ability. One of those players you look at when he finishes. You think, blimey, why don't we see this more often? We touched on this on our. It's all coming up. Uh, mini podcast last Thursday. We talked about Paul Heckingbottom. I am going to go back at, back at it again. My colleague Riath Al Samurai has written again that Chris Wilder is waiting uh, to essentially in the wings to take over from Heckingbottom. If if Sheffield United are going to sack Heckingbottom, they need to do it now. And it goes against the way that we tend to talk on this podcast about managers. But if they're going to do it, they need to do it because the. Time is of the essence of Sheffield United. They're not getting better. They're, they're, they're not down. getting better. They're, they're down already. Worse. They're not down if they get if they get Wilder. They're not down if they get Wilder. One they're point. Not. One point. They're not from down. Ten games. I, I, I actually think they're not down. I've got a lot of admiration for Paul Heckingbottom. Yeah. Actually, uh, but listening to his comments before the game, that had a good week's training and uh, looking forward to the challenge. I don't think he believes what he's saying himself. No. No. Well, if he, and if if he does, then his players don't look as though they do. Aston Villa team on the up. Aston Villa statistics are, or under Una Emery, are extraordinary. didn't know you were a stats man. I am when it suits me. Um, <laughs> this is the, I'm not when it comes to nonsense, rubbish like XG and all the rest of it, but I am with things. XG is important, it's growing it. on me. It's not. Uh, what's what's important is, is how many goals you score. Um, this is the best, the best ever start they've had in 25 years in the Premier League. Only City have had more wins in the Premier League in 2023 than Villa. Now, that's just the same as XG, really reeling off a win stat. Emery, who played Steven Gerrard November last year, almost a year ago. Since that time, they've played 35 league games and taken 71 points. 
that extrapolates over 38 game season to 77 points. In the last five seasons, a tally of 77 points would have got you third, third, second, third, third. Mm -hmm. that, that says everything about, about where Villa are. Well, it does, but the season is the season, isn't it? So you're you're using like stuff from so you're having a pop at XG, but you're using stats from last year. This is a new season. I don't know whether you've noticed. The season is the but season. Yeah. So you yeah. You, you you know you you know you're going to do the sort of twelve month table from January to December. I don't I don't really see. So you do know, you this is a new season. I, I think he's. Um, well, not for not for this season. It's about it's about going the the whole distance. What I think, what where I think he is really heck impressed. Heck of a year, but it doesn't count. But, you know, well, no, it doesn't count for anything. Well, I mean, that's yeah. like saying, well, well it's, it's, it's like having you've, a, you've been blowing smoke up Ange Postecoglou's backside every week for ten well, games. Why are you, why are you having week, a pop at Big Ange every week for ten? The most successful ten, manager in the first ten games of the Premier League ever, and that counts for nothing. No, this is, it's this season. Counts it's this season. So, so, but, but I'm not. I'm not knocking Emery. I think he's uh, he's he's done brilliantly well. And, 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 and yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> but the biggest thing about him is, is he's not changed much. He's brought in Diaby, good signing. He's brought in Torres, yeah, good signing. And uh, Watkins is doing well for him, obviously. Watkins is doing well. Uh, Douglas Louise is. I, I I never thought he'd hit those heights. Uh, when he came in, he discarded Coutinho, who was Gerard's, yeah. the, you know, Gerard's golden boy. Came in ruthless. I'm, re I'm really pleased for him as much as anything because I thought he got a kick in at uh, at Arsenal. And when he yeah. got when, when when he got the Villa job, there were the, you know there was always people where well, it didn't didn't happen at Arsenal for him. But if you look through his managerial career and his record, he is a he's another one. is a is a builder of teams. But I thought what happened to Arsenal was unfortunate. Um, there were question marks over whether he really had the clout in the dressing room, mm. I think, towards the end, and, mm. and players seemed to be undermining him. But I think well, he's, he's showing what most of us have always known, that he's a, he's a brilliant organiser, and I'm pleased for him. He was, he was lampooned at Arsenal, even for the way that he spoke, by, I have to say, by people who I won't name, but people who really should have known better, some of the kind of... Um, yeah, some of the the, the 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 mocking that took place of Unai Emery towards his time at Arsenal was was ridiculous. Not yeah. sure about inside the dressing room, but certainly in, in the in the media. Now, I was speaking to someone yesterday who knows about things that go on at Aston Villa and asking this person uh, for the differences between Emery and Gerrard because I was quite interested to know. And I'm just going to look at my phone because it's on a it's on a message. And I'm told his, his attention to detail is the greatest I've ever seen in a manager. A true obsessive players get individual one-on-one -on -one coaching more than any manager I've ever seen um, he's at the training ground till 9pm every night don't ask me what he's doing he's at the training ground till 9pm when the players are off the staff aren't the staff are in now I know that you've got to is that Emmy Martinez? You've, you've got to do an, that was Ollie Watkins you've got to do <laughs> an awful lot more than spend a lot of time at work to be a good Premier League manager but it certainly says something about his about his, about his commitment Yep, and um, look, I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure he was the same at Arsenal. I wouldn't have thought he he would have, you know, changed his commitment as a as a manager. He's giving his all. I actually um, I like what he's doing with with Watkins and and DRB, where DRB sort of played off the right hand side for uh, for Leverkusen, sometimes off the left. But he's giving him a 
sort of role as a second striker and their their understanding and connection is is really vital for the team but it's it's a team where every player knows or understands what their role and responsibility is and they are going from strength to strength i think a lot of it comes down to understanding a culture and i mean the culture of the premier league and i think it would have been easy for emery to think you know what Premier League wasn't for me. It was a painful experience at Arsenal. I can go back to Spain and continue to do my work in Spain, a great league, mm. do well. But he obviously thought, no, I'm going to go back, unfinished business. Yeah. I'm impressed with the way that Marco Silva has also done that, having been bombed out. Of, Point to proof. Having been bombed out of Everton. Could easily, have, someone like Marco Silva could easily have gone away and thought, you know what, I'll go and manage in, in Spain or in Portugal. I'll go mm. to Saudi, but no. Sod the Premier League, sod some of the journalists. Sod the, us hard, a the hard work and the scrutiny and the difficulty. And, and I'm, I, some, some foreign managers come to the Premier League and are very, very happy to give off the impression that they're passing through. But I feel that people, someone like Emery and Marcus Silva thought, you know what, I didn't work for me in that league. I'm going to go back mm. and I'm going to show them. Okay. And I think there's a lot to be said. A couple more questions last night and one of them, now I had to read this one out simply because this guy's or this girl's Twitter handle is I'm Ron Burgundy. Now please tell me you know who Ron Burgundy is. Yeah, I think so. Anchorman? Mm. Will Ferrell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I've not seen it but I know I'm Oh, you have to watch it, Anchorman. Yeah. You yeah, I, don't, I don't get time, I work. You don't, you don't know what, you don't know, you're bluffing. You're bluffing, you've not watched Anchorman. How can be, be um, how can you be a bloke in your early fifties and not not have watched Anchorman? It's like saying he's not watched Airplane. I've not, I've not watched Airplane or Naked Gun. I've seen, yeah, I've seen some of the faulty towers. I'm, I'm, no, faulty towers are like trains, planes, automobiles. John Candy. Oh, I tell you what, you are culturally bereft at times. Sometimes you really are. Anyway, I'm <laughs> because wrong I, because I don't watch Anchorman. <laughs> You I've remind, never watched Anchorman. <laughs> you remind me a bit. You remind me a bit of Ron Burgundy, actually, and, uh, and people who have watched Anchorman. You remind me of Danny well, DeVito. Uh, Go on. <laughs> Ron, Ron, Ronnie Corbett. I prefer. I prefer. I prefer Ronnie Corbett. You know. Yeah. At least, you know. Um, um, although he he has better sweaters than me. Um, I'm Ron Burgundy on Twitter. This is not a question, but it, but a, an idea, and I like it. When a penalty is given, all players should immediately leave the penalty area and the keeper should retreat to the six-yard six yard box until a penalty taker is nominated and enters the area. Anyone violating gets a red card. I don't agree with the red card, but yellow card. There's too much nonsense at penalties. Yeah, Anar was yeah. booked at the weekend, I noticed. So, um, you know, we go back again to the Martinez nonsense at the, in the World Cup final. So I quite like that one. But, but, but referees are getting... Uh, better on that and by the way I thought that was a penalty at Old Trafford yesterday yeah, in the first one right moments of the week what's yours um, well I was up at Rugby Park Kilmarnock at the weekend and my moment of the of the weekend I know the Manchester Derby a lot of talking points was the killy pie killy steak pie. and gravy there, there is not a better pie in the world than the killy pie and I don't care. You can have all your. You can you know, have you know, devious. Wigan, don't you? Well, I don't care where you're from. I don't care. I don't. Go, no, I don't. Nice I don't mean. A, I didn't mean it like that. Uh, <laughs> but in in pie talk, well, we can, in we pie pies. talk, I'm just saying the killy pie. What's so good about it? Well, the, the taste, the, the pastry, pastry. Yeah. The, the, what the the the, 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 the depth, the, the, yeah, the, everything. The depth of flavour. I mean, cost, I, I, I posted cost? a picture. Of, uh, it's free. Oh, as, you know, as I was working, it was, a, it was a freebie. But on, honestly, as pie, because normally most football fans would think you go to a game and you, you get an, a, you know an awful pie, don't you? Whatever. I don't know. 
We don't get pies yeah, in the press you. rooms in the Premier League. Tottenham's good, isn't it, for the uh, for the food? Chelsea's quite good, actually. But but the kidney pie, honestly. If I'm ever if, up there, if you're ever up, yeah. Plastic pitch, plastic pitch, was it? Awful. Plastic awful. pitch, real pie. That could be a yeah. fr- that could be a slogan. Plastic pitch, real pie. Mm. My moment of the week, Wang. Uh, Wolves, very very harsh to be uh, penalised for, for a penalty against Newcastle. Um, yeah. Shah seemed to dive to Swiss, me. Swiss roll. I have to say, he looked like he dived to me. And that that's the type of thing that can ruin a player's afternoon. But what does Wang do? He's on a great run of form for Wolves. What does he do? Other end of the field, later on, scores an absolutely superb yeah. goal. Left your mate, Dan Byrne, Dan Byrne on his backside. Um, great finish and big <laughs> smile on his face afterwards. That is my, um, that's my moment of the weekend. And mm. I would... But I would like to say, while I was away last week, um, I was aware, obviously, you know, Sir Bobby Charlton passed away while I was away, Bill Kenwright. Um, we've heard it, we've, we've had a lot of tributes to Sir Bobby. We don't need another one from me. But what I will say is that I was aware of the nonsense that went on with the couple of stupid Man City teenage fans, you know, singing uh, offensive songs about Sir Bobby and all the, all the fuss about it. I have to say that Manchester United and Manchester City handled the tributes to, to Sir Bobby yesterday absolutely magnificently. You know how, very well how fond I am of Manchester. I'm not from Manchester, but I've lived there for 20-odd years. I know an awful lot of Manchester City fans and Manchester United fans, and the way that they were represented yesterday by their football clubs mm-hmm. and, and their players before the game was absolutely superb. Seeing Brian, you know, Brian Kidd, Mike, Mike Summerby, uh, Paddy Paddy Crow and Alex Stepney on the field beforehand. Great men of great men of Manchester football, and that to me was that's Manchester. That what we saw yesterday was Manchester, and I absolutely I was I was just so so happy. Yeah, well said. Yeah. To see that uh, that's a good way to end it. I would say unless you have anything particular else that you want to contribute. Um, thanks. Just about oh. just about our um, our predictions. On it's all ah, for, for those up. of you, yeah, you who were you, listening last Thursday um, with our new um, supporter Paddy Power. How did you get on? Uh, well, I, I my bet, and it's all for charity if we win for the Salvation Army. My bet was for Manchester City to beat Man United three one. So I was obviously urging um, Eric Ten Hag's limp Man United machine on towards the end. Yes, it didn't quite happen. And yours was Harland to score two, went two for it. goals, gambled for Erling Erling Harland, the bravest bet of the weekend. I hope your fancy football team's a bit more original than that. Um, but that will run as the season goes on. I'm glad that you actually got that right. I'm glad you've got some money in the bank already for Salvation Army. Tell your face. My, tell your face. My turn to do um, my bit um, on Thursday. And that is where you'll find us for the next edition of It's All Coming Up. Um, please remember to like and subscribe and to leave comments um, on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you go to get your podcasts. Um, we're really delighted to have some uh, questions uh, rather than vaguely abusive comments to read this week. Please keep your <laughs> comments coming. The best way it's the best way to ask us questions for the show is probably via my email, which you can find in the link, uh, sorry, in the bio of my Twitter page. What is you, it? You can also send, it's very original, it's ian.ladyman.dailymail.co.uk. Mm. You would never think that, would you? You can also ask us questions on Twitter as well. Um, apart from that, make sure you go to Mail Online for all your breaking sports news. Um, download and subscribe to the Mail Plus app. 
Um, make sure you're with us on Thursday for our mini pod. It's all coming up. But please, and most importantly of all, please be back here next week for the next edition of uh, this show. Um, I'm Ian Ladyman. Uh, the chap on my left still digesting his killy pie is Chris Sutton. And this has been It's All Kicking Off. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.